1: You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado
2: Rockies.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a podcast by Purple Road, the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your host, Skyler Timmons, and as always, joined here by my homies, Mac Wilcox. Yo, yo, there we go. That's
1: <laughs> nice and easy, nice and, nice and short, today. And short and easy, as well as Evan Lang. What's up, everybody? How's it going today?
0: Oh, it's going. It is going as always. We're in the dog days of summer. Things are winding down. The season's kind of eh. Rockies are doing their thing. <laughs> I don't know about you. I've just kind of like lost that steam. Where you know it's that weird part of the season where we're not really. You know, we're not in a playoff push, but we're not in like the weird other aspect of that. It's just we're just existing.
2: The dog days of summer. We're just,
0: we're just chilling. (laughs) So fun stuff, but so, so it's going to be a little bit lighter episode today, having some fun here, chatting with the homies. Uh, I did have this icebreaker question that we can discuss here. The little league world series is happening right now, the tournament. So all the little teams are hanging out, doing their thing. Do you think between the three of us, could the three of us pull a bench warmers and beat any of these little league teams?
2: No, no, nope. I think they'd blow us up. Frankly,
0: I <laughs> beg to differ.
2: I think that I think they would. I think they would dominate us. Actually, I don't think there's a single team that's competing in the Little League World Series that uh, that could not absolutely destroy <laughs> us. Frankly,
0: well, we get me on the bump. I can bullet past those kids, yeah. and I can hit some dingers. I'll be the Rob Schneider in this scenario. <laughs>
2: So what is it? It's like you have you have a first baseman, a pitcher, and like an outfielder. Is Catcher, that how that works? pitcher, outfielder. Catcher, pitcher, outfielder. Okay, okay. So anything hit in the infield is just like a base hit every time. Yeah. So
0: the the stipulation for that movie is Rob Schneider's just going to strike all the kids out, and if they hit a fly ball, sure.
1: John Heater's supposed to
0: catch sure. it. <laughs>
2: Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Okay. I mean, listen, you two could be an awesome battery for sure, but I am not the sprightly young buck I once was, man. I would definitely hold y'all back. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Y'all do
1: not want to see me attempt to be a catcher and frame pitches. I will miss <laughs> 90% of the pitches, and they will just roll back to the backstop. Yeah.
2: I think uh, I don't think there's any way that this goes well for us, frankly. <laughs> Hey, yeah. Yeah. But the- I, was the, I
1: was the catcher on our slow pitch softball team which means I was the worst athlete and they needed a place to put me
0: <laughs> but if we're terrible then we get a sweet montage with like Reggie Jackson or somebody who teaches you guys how to be better at baseball do we get McDonald's See, after that, the game? that is fire pizza hut? we're just going to live out the entire plot of Benchwarmers
1: I've never actually seen that I'm movie, down. so you could make anything up and I'd just go along with it. It's a solid movie. It's
2: it's actually aged fairly well, too. It is.
0: Definitely stupid humor. Stupid, Very stupid. Sure. With a nice message. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's my comedy. Yeah.
0: So, I was just wondering about that. If the three of us, could we... How many runs could we score, at least? Let's go even deeper into that.
2: I'm going to say generously, too. Like... And I'm am being real nice when I say that, but I'm going to say generously too.
1: How fast do these kids throw? Uh
2: Fast enough.
0: Yeah. It's not anything that's going to blow it right by, you.
1: I could maybe manage a base hit or two. Like I'm not going to hit for power or anything. You're
2: a contact guy. Yeah. You're an
1: average guy. I get that. I can do
2: what you. a regular the little
0: league mounds like what, like 40 some odd feet away. Something like
2: that.
1: Yeah, no, I'm out. So I would love to get to the batting cages at some point. I haven't gone in years at this point. Not since. Uh, oh my goodness! Not since pre-COVID at this point. Same. Great way to spend an afternoon, mm-hmm. though.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. But this is mostly just in my mind. I just envision myself as I angrily watch Little League World Series stuff. <laughs> like, man, I could take that kid deep. <laughs> As a twenty-six-year-old, <laughs> taking some Why do you man?
1: hate watching the Little League World Series?
0: Because I like what Little League stands for. I don't like some of the underlying stuff with mm. Little League, like the parent stuff and like mm-hmm. opportunity type stuff, and mm-hmm. sometimes just the way the kids are acting. There's some. It's good stuff. but There's also a lot of bad with mm-hmm. Little League type stuff. It mainly goes back to the parents, especially.
2: Yep. That's always true. That's the big thing. Parents ruin Little League events. That's so true. Always, always, always the case. Indeed.
0: But those kids are having fun. There's that kid from Wyoming that's wearing his, like, leather ranching gloves. Oh, I saw. Bats. I did see
2: that on Twitter. That's, hey, that's good, heat. Good cushion. That's heat. That is the
1: heat. Bet he loves the, uh, the axe handle bats.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't have a wad of chew in his mouth at the time, though. <laughs> oh, he probably does. <laughs> this is a 12-year-old. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys?
2: All right, y'all. I'll see you out there. I'll see you it's on the road, road, road of you. for you.
0: But anyways, but Little League World Series, go check it out. It's at least fun to watch. They always talk about fun stuff, and there's some goofy kids out there. And kids that look like they have a birth certificate that has am 12 written on it in crayon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a fun, it's fun stuff.
1: But I still it makes me. It does make me miss. And I know this might be unpopular. The players' weekend. Yeah. Stuff. Because like the the nickname jerseys was at least really fun. Yeah.
0: Or at least the design of those jerseys. Those fun. Well, no, not alternates. the not the black and white ones. Yeah. But. Those were garbage ones. But like the ones that were inspired by little league style. That everybody had. Those were nice a couple of years ago. Yeah, those were great. And then MLB decided to suck all the fun and joy and color out of the uniforms.
1: Hmm. They're good at that.
0: Yes, they are. They're good at that about a lot of things. But I'll tell you who's not bad at sucking out the fun of everything. Elihurst Montero for the Rockies. And you like that transition. Beautiful. Uh, We've talked about it pretty much all season. But he's finally getting playing time, some regular playing time. And he's not doing too shabby at the moment. And it's kind of his first regular stint of consistent playing time of being in the lineup most every day now. What have you guys noticed? What's been leading to his success or your impressions of Montero and kind of this extended everyday playing time at the big league level?
1: I mean, I'm just happy he's getting regular playing time, and I don't understand why he's getting it now versus not earlier. So since he was called back up and put in the lineup for um, the doubleheader on August 2nd against the Padres, he has played... Uh, nine consecutive games he had a nine game hitting streak going for a while um, unfortunately that hitting streak uh, hitting streak ended yesterday against the Cardinals in that 8-6 to six win where he went over at the plate but that was his first time going back to July 9th um, which was a one off game there before he got called back up in the beginning of August where he didn't have a hit And he rattled off, what was it, five straight multi-hit games. So it's like August 5th through August 10th. Two for four, two for three, two for four, two for five, two for four. And it's almost like Elieger Montero is a top prospect with a high ceiling that should have been getting playing time this whole time. Because he, hitting in that time period, 382, 400, 588. He hit his first big league home run, Four doubles, four RBIs. He has struck out eight times in 34 at-bats. Um, so, not ideal, obviously, but that's such a small sample size. and something that could even out over time. Definitely growing. Uh, a big thing for me is that he didn't draw any walks. But that's another thing that you can maybe see even out over time. His strikeout rate in the minors was something that he definitely worked on, where in his last season with the Cardinals organization, his strikeout rate was a career high, it was over thirty percent. And then it's been it's been very evenly ticking downward since then. Uh, and I have no reason to doubt that that's something that'll happen here in the major leagues as he adjusts to big league pitching. But this is exactly what needed to happen with El Hiros Montero. Is he needed to get consistent playing time. And you know, when the trade deadline came and uh, Buddy Black was saying, oh, now we're going to give him consistent playing time, I was like, well, why not earlier? Nothing about this team has changed in the last, you know, two, three months compared to now. But I'm happy that they're finally doing it. So they've got him in at third base. They've got him at first base. They've got him DH-ing. His um His defense has been much improved. They've been talking with how he's been working with the coaches, uh, working with Brendan Rodgers and really trying to improve his his defense at both first and third base. So I make a couple really impressive plays over this period of time. He made this great leaping, sort of completely laying out catch to rob a base hit during yesterday's game that was really, really impressive. So this is exactly what needed to happen, and this should hopefully carry through the entire rest of the season is that El Hiros Montero needs to be playing almost every day. If not every day, then almost every single day, with the expectation that next year he is going to be an everyday player. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Mac, in your adventures at the ballpark, have you had a chance to talk to Montero at all?
1: Real briefly, um, there
2: was a really funny conversation in the dugout about how to pronounce his first name. that had everybody kind of guessing for a little bit, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't really gotten a chance to talk to him, but, man, he just looks so comfortable right now, doesn't he? Evan listed off the stats, but even more than that, I think I'll just be the, the eye test guy and just say that, like, I just think he looks so comfortable right now. You know, he he raised his average when he started that game in the doubleheader against San Diego that Evan talked about. He, was, he came into the game hitting 189. As we record Friday before play, his average is now 279. So he's raised his average just about 100 points. Um, it would have been, you know, 100 if not for his 0-4-4 game yesterday. And he just looks like he should be there. Like Evan said, I, I think that this is a guy that's going to be starting just about every game until the end of the season, especially with how Connor Joe has really cooled off from that DH position, first base position, in the last month or so. Um, obviously, I hope that uh, Connor Joe is able to find a, kind of find his swing again um, sooner than later. But right now, it's just – it's what a result from, from Um you know, he's a guy that can spell Crone at first base or, or give McMahon a day off at third or likely, in my opinion, just kind of DH through the end of the season. So I think that seeing the continued development of him at AAA, we've said it before, you know, the numbers at AAA speak for themselves. He looked like a guy that was ready for big league playing time. But, of course, you never know how that transition is going to be. He came up early in the season, struggled a little bit. But like I said, was only hitting 189 um, in his limited appearances, and now that he is a what appears to be a full-time starter, at least for the last week or so, it just looks like a guy that was ready to go from day one. So I'm not saying he's going to be hitting, you know, whatever Evan said, like 380, you know, through the end of the season. He's probably not going to hit, you know, just shy of 400 to finish things out. But if he can just continue on this uh, solid start and keep this momentum going through this last, you know, month and a half, two months of the season... It's going to set him up so well for next season and this is a guy that i think is almost certainly going to be your designated hitter for the 2023 team and that's what it's all about right now for him is just getting those reps staying comfortable at the big league level building rapport you know with these guys he's a guy that's likely going to be a rocky for a while you know he's a guy that the rockies obviously were very high on when they made the move uh to get him from st louis so uh couldn't say enough positives about him right now. He looks like he is a bona fide star out there.
0: And I, I think that's like, and I like that you touch on that where he, this is the type of move where it's getting him action to get ready for next season. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have you no, know, the huge culture shock of you no know, rookie being the opening day starter, mm-hmm. but getting him some reps now. And this kind of makes to differ. The question of if they're going to give him the playing time now, what do they do to open up playing room for him next year? Yeah. Because there's some moves that are gonna to have to be made in the off season. Maybe it is, and it's gonna to be tough expecting this from the Rockies making some tough decisions. But do guys like Connor Joe find themselves odd man out off the roster? No, these kind of guys that aren't the big names, but they're getting older, they're kind of the middling middle of the pack now. Your Connor Joe's your Garrett Hampsons other guys kind of in that camp to kind of open up room so Montero can be getting everyday playing time starting in 2023.
1: Mm-hmm. Tough decisions to make. but And it really is. He's shown this year he's hitting like 310 in AAA Albuquerque. There is very, very little reason to keep him in the minor leagues. He's he's shown that he's got nothing left to prove down there, and so this is this is the right decision. It was the right decision earlier of making sure he's getting all of these reps at the big league level with the expectation that he's going to be on the big league team in twenty twenty three. Yeah, and that's really what was what was driving me so crazy about him not getting it earlier in the year.
0: Yeah, I think hopefully they realize that now and like, hey, we need to get this guy playing time, get him more action in that lineup, see what we have at the big league level to help us figure out our moves in the off season. which that's a good approach to have. Let's get some of those guys, oh, especially a team that's rebuilding, that should have sold things at the deadline. We could have seen more of these prospects start to roll up a little bit. That were bubbling at the surface. They get some action to see, this is what we have heading into the offseason, what we have next year. Oh, man, here's what we need to fill in for next year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's give Montero a chance here, which is nice, and he's taking advantage of it now, which good on him. Because it opens up a lot of possibilities now. Getting him more playing time, getting some more action. Like what you said, Evan, I think those strikeouts and walks, those things will even out. Hopefully, uh, with some good coaching and mentorship from the other big league guys, perhaps Dave Magadan, if he's sticking around for next year. Mm
1: -hmm. Dave Magadan will teach him how to ground out at every (laughs) at-bat.
0: Yeah, you see here, you're hitting the ball in the air.
1: We don't want that. Hit it down. Hit it down as hard as you can. (laughs) Chop at it like a sword. (laughs)
0: But, anyways... Good on Montero. Congrats to him, and hopefully we'll be excited to see what he does over the next month uh, throughout the rest of August and into September. Finish the season strong, get some more dingers out on the board. He broke the seal, he got that first one. Now, hopefully the rest will start to follow. And we can get some Monty dingers.
1: The count of Monty dingers. What I would one. like to know is how do you pronounce that first name?
2: Alay-Reese. alay It's really interesting, yeah. So I thought it was I thought it was Elahuris, and I was reading it very like, um, you know, how is how it was spelled. But it's Elayuris, Elahuris. It's very
1: yeah, very interesting. Elayuris. Well, because then you got um, you know, Jack Corrigan <laughs> says it is like Elauris. Yeah, there's
2: a lot of different interpretations of it, but that's that's how he pronounced it close to me. So I'm like, oh sure, I'm gonna go with that.
1: Elahuris. Okay.
2: This is why I stick I'm... to calling him Monty. It's a lot easier for me to make sense of that in my
1: head. No, no, it's El Forzado, the strong man. Yeah,
2: that's a good one too. I can, I can wrap I'm my head around that. I'm trying to make that nickname stick.
0: Eliuris Montero, good stuff. But speaking of guys that don't have anything left to prove in the minor leagues and maybe getting their action finally here as we're recording, according to sources that minor league veteran Wynton Bernard is finally getting the call to the show the call he's been waiting for a long long time looks like the Rockies are finally gonna call him up at 31 years old to make his major league debut finally get the the call to the show and you've talked purple row everybody's been campaigning with a ton of people in Rockies fandom that have followed kind of the prospects in the minor leagues this is a guy that's been more than deserving over the past couple of years to finally get his call up to the to the big leagues. Yeah.
2: This is awesome. This is a this is one of those things that's uh I think it's it's really one of those like bigger than baseball moments. You know what I mean? Like Winton Bernard has spent, you know, ten seasons in the minor leagues. He's thirty one years old. Okay. Um those that follow baseball even in passing would know that thirty one years old is a little bit you know, on the upper a, uh, spectrum of age for a rookie, you know, but this guy's been—he's been through it, man. He's been battling the minor leagues for for you know all those years, and he's finally getting a crack at the major league roster. And it's about time. Like to be clear, this is not just like a oh, like let's give this guy you know throw him a bone. Like these—he's he's popping off at Triple A Albuquerque right now. Again, Friday morning that we're recording. He's got a 325 average. He's got 17 home runs, 74 runs batted in, OPS of nine point or excuse me, nine six two. He's done the Pacific Coast League Player of the Week twice. He was the July Player of the Month for Triple A. Like he looks ready to go. Um, you know, not sure what kind of long term impact this is going to have on the team, but Jonathan Daza is going to be out for you know however long depending on, you know, the prognosis of his shoulder after he... And just sidebar, Jonathan Nadaz is like a certified, like, B.A. I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, so I'm going to say B.A. Dude fell down, separated his shoulders, popped it back into place. Like, he's a tough son of a gun, man. But, uh, but yeah, Winter Bernard just, you know, working so hard down in the minor leagues for as long as he have to finally get this opportunity at the big league level uh, and again, not just because it's a cool moment, because, but because he legitimately earned it. Like he has been playing the baseball of his life recently, and he looks like somebody that could contribute on a big league team. No idea how it's going to turn out. We're recording before his first game plays. Let us know how he did when this goes up on Monday. You know, I guess we'll we'll know how it all how it all shook out. But but I I, I couldn't be happier for him. Um, like I said, I'm a I'm a real sucker for these feel good stories and for these these moments that really matter personally. So I'm just – I'm over the moon for him. Absolutely delighted
1: for the guy. Yeah, Bernie's been – he really has become a fan favorite down in Albuquerque. Fans were really happy to get him back this year, Mm -hmm. so he did become a a minor league free agent at the end of last season, I believe. And the Rockies brought him back, and everyone was really, really happy about that. And you can absolutely see why. Because he's got this, like, super infectious, positive attitude (laughs) – He's always smiling, he seems to always be having a good time, and he really has been grinding it out. I mean, he was, he was drafted in 2012 by the Padres as a 35th rounder, and he's just been, he's been all over the place at this point. Padres organization, Tigers organization, Giants, Cubs, now the Rockies, he's played indie ball, he's played international ball, he, I believe, played in Australia for a season or two. He's been all over the place and this season he really has been just incredible. And he was he was solid last year. He was he was really really good. He had you know 7 home runs, 6 triples, 12 doubles uh slash 254 319 395. But then you compare that to this year where in 87 games 325 374 588. 17 home Mm -hmm. runs, 8 triples, 24 doubles. He's got crazy speed. He is a really solid defensive outfielder. He plays a lot of center field in Albuquerque. And if you're familiar with that outfield, it's got that weird hill in the the back of the outfield and center field. And he does just fine out there. So it's one of those things where Mm -hmm. with the season for the Rockies basically lost, and you know, wanting to see guys get their due, it's like you said, Mike. This is due for for Wynton Bernard, and I am so extremely happy for, for him to be finally getting this opportunity. Obviously, we don't know what the roster move is going to be to um, to get him up onto the forty man roster, but there there are some obvious moves to make. Um, we were talking about earlier. Skyler suggested you know, it being time to move Peter Lambert to the sixty day IL. Uh, we also have the potential of Chris Bryant moving to the 60-day IL, which I don't know if that's likely or not. Uh, you could designate Ty Block for assignment, which you know would wouldn't feel great, but it is a logical move to make at this point. But there are moves to make to put Bernard on the 40-man roster and give him this opportunity, and that so many sources are saying that this is going to happen. I'm feeling really good that you know, we're gonna we're gonna hear the roster move today and hopefully you know he can get his big league view debut today or this weekend. If it doesn't happen today, I'd love for it to happen tomorrow when I'm at the ballpark because that'd be super exciting. But there you go. There you go. But there's you just can't help but be happy for this guy. It's one of those super feel good stories where it's just been a long, long time coming and now that he's finally getting this opportunity, you are you are so happy for the guy.
0: Yeah, it's really nice. And he's had a good minor he's had a good minor league career. Oh, in the minors a career two eighty six average. He's this year he found his pop. Seventeen home runs. His next career highest in all of his minor league games was seven back in two thousand sixteen. He's hit that a couple of times. Albuquerque, last year he had seven. So all of a sudden he found his pop, so Way to go, Jordan Pacheco, helping Winton Bernard down in AAA. But there's happy- a
2: uh, there's a really cool article I'm, I'm actually reading as we're sitting here um, in the Albuquerque Journal by Jeff Grammer, talking about Bernard's call up, and it's you know there's a there's a quick little paragraph in here, and it says I'm just going to read it off real quick. He says, "What I saw today." Uh, made this the best day of my coaching career, Isotopes manager Warren Schaefer told the Journal late Thursday. What I witnessed in a locker room today, the reaction of Winton, the reaction of his teammates, it just made everything that you do worthwhile to see somebody like Winton, who's been grinding the minor leagues for 11 years, who does everything the right way. It's something that we can all learn from. And to see grown men cry, men who have children, to hear that Winton Bernard is called up, and to see tears flow in a locker room by Winton and his teammates. That's just special, man.
1: Bigger than baseball. Yep, that's that's one of the best parts of baseball mm-hmm. is the... Hu- of Sports in general is the, the human element of it. And in my opinion, there is no better story. There is no better feeling than watching someone finally get his call to the show. Whether he's a brand new rookie and top prospect or a dude who's been laboring in the minors for the better part of a decade. There's nothing better than witnessing someone get that call hey bud you're going to the show
2: yeah
0: and what's nice even if he only lasts you no know, just a couple of games you no know, who knows what happens if he only lasts a week up on the big league roster or something he can now say for the rest of his life I was a I played major league baseball mm-hmm. you know, 31 who knows how long the clock's still ticking he's got all that minor league time. And regardless of what happens, maybe they non tender him after the season, whatever happens with him, this is an opportunity for him to know, show off his stuff. And Hey, he may end up somewhere else after this season with a different major league team that sees him debut with the Rockies. And they're like, Hmm, they look at him and look at his numbers. Like, Hey, we really want this guy. I think we could utilize Mm -hmm. him. No. And boom. So this is a good stepping, stepping point for him. If there's a space for him with the Rockies for next season, great. If not, there's definitely spaces out there for him that he could go and they'll get an opportunity somewhere. But he's finally broken through, and now baseball can can, uh, know that he's here and recognize, hey, here's a guy who might be able to help us out. Yep. Get some playing time. Until inevitably the Giants realize, hey, 31 years old, we can (laughs) capitalize on that and turn him into a superstar with their voodoo magic they have over there. But, so congratulations to Winton. We'll be all excitedly watching for his debut and rooting for him and see him get some big league action. And just what a great experience for him and look forward to The Rookie 2 with a cameo by Dennis Quaid in it.
1: Hopefully people get that reference.
0: (laughs) But... I only just recently saw that movie for
1: the first time a couple years ago. It's It's a good movie. movie.
0: It is one of very few baseball movies that can make me cry. It's mostly when Dennis Quaid walks in, gets called up, and then he's walking into the clubhouse for the first time at the big league level. You're just like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) he never gave up on his dreams. (laughs) It's a very good moment. It's a good movie. Go watch it. So pause the, pause the dude, podcast yes. right now. Go watch go watch The Rookie, then come back.
2: <laughs> go watch it. Come back. Tell us what you thought. <laughs> leave the Leave the
0: podcast running, though, so we'll just sit here in silence for the, right. the two hours right.
2: while you watch it. That's smart.
0: <laughs> just the watch along where it's just silently sitting here. But one last thing before we take a quick break here. Actually, no. We'll go ahead and take the quick break and pick up after this. Uh, we're going to talk about Alex Colomay and then the St. Louis Cardinals series, when we come back. We've got the, the fun stuff out of the way. We're going to get into a little bit of the, the nitty-gritty as we go to break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through that break. we still got plenty of time, but we talked about the fun, happy times in the first half. Uh, now we get into a little bit more of the... I guess the critical aspect of the show and our nitty-gritty talk. But first and foremost, when we Alex Colomay, this is what we're going to talk about, was having a pretty good year. Overall looked like a really good signing. And he's starting to hit a hiccup here in the last bit of this season. Uh, since the All-Star break, things have slowly started to trickle down for Colomay, who was really effective through the first half of the season. And we're starting to see... A little bit of a downward spiral for him. We're entering today, as we're pod, as we're recording, his last three appearances. He's given up seven runs on what looks like six hits in an inning and two thirds in his last three appearances. Where he re- and he's given up three home runs, the first three home runs all season. So we're starting to see some hiccups here for Alex Colmey. Year after the trade deadline, after the all-star break and everything else. So what's going on with Alex Colomay? What have you noticed with him?
2: Nothing good. <laughs> uh, you know, no hate to the guy. Obviously, I could never even begin to, you know, unravel the intricate mechanics of being a big league pitcher. But he, his stuff right now just looks like it's kind of sitting, you know what I mean? It doesn't have that break that I think we're used to from Colomay. doesn't have that good slider. And that is letting um, you mentioned the home runs. That's letting these you know professional hitters start to really get some uh, barrel to the ball and and start hitting them you know really far. Talking about you know his most recent blowup was yesterday as we record, so Thursday against the Cardinals. You know he he comes in. The Rockies have a, a lead of eight to two. Okay, so they are obviously um, you know in a very comfortable position. Coleman comes in, he walks Nolan Gorman, Paul Goldschmidt, who, you know, goalie's good for sure. But uh he leaves a home run um, pitch up. He he left a, a cutter. I mean, you know, look at the look at the location on mlb.com. I mean, that is middle middle. It, it is it is just batting practice cutter. Guy like Goldschmidt's not gonna miss that. He takes that um, you know, well out of the ballpark for a home run, makes it eight to four. Nolan Arenado comes up. After a conversation, um, you know, with the pitching coach, and he takes the same pitch. It's it's another uh, fastball. Um, so I guess not quite the same pitch, but you know, it's a it's a fastball, same exact location. I mean, middle middle of the plate, chest high fastball. Nolan's not going to miss that, especially not at Coors Field. Takes that deep, and so he's then replaced, and he does not record an out. And then Carlos Estevez comes in and gets uh, three outs, one two three innings over. So. What we see in those sequences are pitches that are being left middle of the plate. I mean, even Gourmand was walked. But even the first pitch that Gourmand took for a called strike was the exact same thing. Gourmand takes a cutter that is the middle of the plate. I mean, it's, like, it's a literal batting practice pitch. And I think that's what we're seeing from Colomay right now as he goes through this rough patch is, for whatever reason... Again, I have no idea what it is. I'm not a mechanics guy. Let's get Justin Wick on here, and he can explain it to me. But he is leaving these pitches up. And the thing about Colome is his stuff is not going to be overpowering, right? We know that. That's not a knock against him. But he's just never been a guy that's going to blow you away with an Aroldis Chapman, you know, 119-mile-per-hour fastball, you know, to go with a a 111-mile-per-hour wipeout slider. That's never been his profile. What Alex Colome does is he has really good command, and he's able to locate his pitches. That fastball and that slider to set up that cutter that you know cuts away from right-handed batters and generates swings and misses. That's what we've been seeing at the start of the season, or at the very least, they get you know soft contact, ground out to second base. We're out of here, and that's not what we're seeing right now. These pitches are hanging; they are chest high, they are batting practice, and that's why you've seen the home runs you know continuously creep up over these last few appearances um, yeah that's all I got on that one really I, I don't have a quick fix for it I just think unfortunately it's something that he is a professional he's gonna have to work out but he is not fooling anybody with what he's throwing right now
1: yeah the big the big thing with Colomay is his his ability to locate and you've watched this kind of become a problem since the beginning of July so July 2nd in the month of July he had his ERA down to 245 and we were, you know, kind of watching it slowly um, pop back up until just this most recent stretch where it just really ballooned. So now his ERA is all the way up to 4.68. Um, it jumped in the last week from 3.40 to 4.68. And a big thing that you're seeing, a big thing that you're seeing, is that he is not locating well. So he had uh, from April through June. He had uh, 10 walks total. In just July, in this first half of August, he already has nine. We watched him walk two on August 7th, and another one where he walked Nolan Gorman yesterday in that really tough inning. And from that stretch of time... So 17-game stretch starting July 2nd to August 11th here. His ERA is 9. His FIP is 626. Opposing batters are hitting 345, 427, 586 against him. Versus, you know, you look at how he was doing at the beginning of the season, or even the first three months of the season. Things were a little shaky for him, obviously. But 29 games from April 9th to June 28th. ERA of 254. Great. FIP of 277. Great. Opponents are slashing just 264, 311, 382 against him. So we've seen all of these just completely, completely balloon out of nowhere. And he's not hitting his locations. His pitches are totally lifeless. And this is not a dude with a huge arsenal. He basically throws a fastball and a cutter nine times out of Mm ten. And so I, I really don't know what else to say other than that it's it really looks like a complete mechanical breakdown as it were and the you know the FIP looks better than the ERA his FIP right now is 393 but it was as low as like 260 earlier in the season so we've seen things just completely balloon and spiral out of control for him and we put him out you know Three, three losses he's credited for here in the month of August where, and then the last three outings he's had, he's given up at least two earned runs. So two earned runs, two earned runs, three earned mm-hmm. runs, three hits, one hit, two hits. In, um, in August alone, he's given up four walks versus he has two strikeouts and he's not a huge strikeout guy. That's true, but it's not he was usually good for at least like a strikeout per outing or something like that. But you add on to the fact that he's not hitting locations so that when he is getting in the strike zone, he's leaving it middle middle to get demolished where mm-hmm. it's it's like y'all mentioned entire rest of the season, zero home runs just this month, just his last five outings, three home runs. Yep, And so it, I don't want to harp on it too much, but it leaves us to the point where, man, we really should have traded this guy when he had some value because we're watching him sort of implode right now. And, and you know, I don't want that to happen. I don't want Alex Colomay to bet. I like Alex Colomé, But we're watching him just absolutely spiral here, and you don't know when it's going to stop. And maybe this is just a bad stretch, and today he immediately turns it around and is great for the rest of the season. Or he continues to completely spiral, and it just gets worse and worse. Or even maybe there's an injury that he's trying to play through that we just don't know about. That's entirely possible. But right now, Mm -hmm. all we can say for certain is that he is not adding positive value to this team out of the bullpen. And that's so frustrating because we have all these other guys now who we could be giving opportunities to pitch more. Like we could have Chad Smith back up from Albuquerque and trying to pitch more. And instead, uh, Colome, who we should have traded when he had really good value at the deadline, is a weight on the team out of a bullpen. It just uh, sinking yep. us. Where we had that, we had a huge lead, and it was a, it was not going to be a save situation uh, for Daniel Bard to come into the game. And then it ended up having to be a save situation for Daniel Bard to come into the game when he hadn't pitched in five days and didn't have as big of a yep. cushion to work with.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and, like, you look at, uh, you know, historically, Colome. right? I mean, if the season were to end today, which there's still plenty of time for him to turn around and end strong, right? We know that. But I'm just saying, if the season were to end today, Alex Colome, he's got a whip of 1.5. That'd be a career high. Hits per nine, 10.4. That would be a career high. Walks per nine, 3.6. That's the highest since 2014 for him. Strikeouts per nine is 6.0 and even 6.0. That's the lowest since 2014 for him. Strikeout to walk ratios, 1.65. That is the lowest it's been since 2014. Like he, you know what I mean? Like he's just not in a place that we are used to seeing him in. You know, that was his whole thing with the White Sox in 2020. That was arguably, you know, his best season, maybe 2016 with the Rays. But, you know, that 2020 shortened, fair enough, shortened season. ERA of .81, not sustainable. I get that. But, you know, this was a guy that was able to limit contact his uh whip at you know that season was less than one you know he, he was a guy that was just able to limit contact to get these soft ground balls to utilize the pitch arsenal that we just talked about to keep hitters off balance and to keep everything you know down down in the strike zone below the batter's eye level and just generate you know no offense of any kind and unfortunately with everything being left up right now it's just not going to happen
0: are you telling me the Rockies signed a veteran reliever and it's not panning out as well on the back end? Couldn't be. That never happened. Couldn't be.
2: Unprecedented. Yeah. Like,
0: there's natural ebb and flow with a bullpen, and unfortunately we're seeing that for Colum A, which looking at his numbers, it is a fun weird little like roller coaster where it starts real high and goes down low, hits the valley, and now it's going back up towards the next peak. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully he can figure that out, but... It's one of those things where, okay, you don't need to lock him in pitching in the back end of the bullpen. Throw him out in the sixth inning, in the seventh inning. You know, use him earlier where there's a little bit less pressure and get him to work on things there where there's a little less on the line. It, it's utilize the game situation a little better where, hey, he is struggling. He's in a rough patch right now. Let's not put him out in the eighth inning or so. Let's get him in, in there a little earlier if we need to. Kind of like we talked about with Daniel Bard last year. And we saw that with Daniel Bard. He was struggling. He started pitching around like the 6th, 7th, you know, a little bit earlier. Things started to improve for him. It's the same type of situation. Hey, a guy's getting roughed up in one spot. A certain part of the lineup's coming up. Let's get him in there earlier to face a different part of the lineup. You no, know, and then Carlos Estevez, who's getting a little bit hot right now, he can take on... That spot where we would where we were using Column A. So it, it's pretty adjustable and get him some different places to work on things, get back his yeah. feel for his pitches. No. That's that's the simplest solution I can think of. Yep. But if not, they'll just keep rolling him out and hopefully he can figure it out baptism by fire. Mm. I prefer the <laughs> prefer man. the former solution. But it's interesting stuff. So hopefully, Colin figures it out. Why not? Good luck to him, and maybe he can at least like regain some of that value. So then, when he enters the free agent market, you no know, teams will still be able willing to take that chance on him and keep him around. Alrighty, my friends. Let's move on to to one well, a couple more things here. Uh, we'll touch on this first. The prospects are getting closer. Won't touch on this too long, but Michael Toglia, Riley Pint are in AAA. Zach Veen was called up to Double A, and we normally don't dive into the prospects too much on this show, but it's these are like moves that seem really pertinent to the big league club in the near future, where we've talked about these before. It doesn't seem like the Rockies ever like promote guys fast enough, or like if a guy's tearing up, they just kind of st- keep them in that league that they're dominating in and just go one rung up the ladder the next year. But we're seeing plenty of promotions this season. But these two, these ones specifically to AAA, Michael Togley and Riley Pint, those seem like really impactful promotions at the moment, especially with Riley Pint.
1: Yeah, Riley Pint is, it's really interesting to see how he's developed over the last couple of years, because we had last year that he had retired, that he had left baseball, and then he comes back this year um, he starts the season with double a Hartford, which is the highest level of professional ball he's played and he's played well enough. Like his season's not been perfect. Some of his command still needs work, which is, which has been a thing for him for a long, long time, but he's looked so much sharper and he's earned himself a, that call up to triple a where they are, they're challenging him, which is what the Rockies have needed to do with a lot of their prospects over the years, especially this year. And they have finally started to do it in the last month or so. Uh, But for Riley Pint, why it's a big deal is because I believe he's set to be a minor league free agent at the end of this season. And so this is really challenging him to see, all right, is he going to be one of our guys going forward? Are we going to bring him back next year? And so he had his, um, he had his AAA debut the other day, worked a scoreless frame, did issue two walks, but also a strikeout. And it's really going to be interesting to see how he does down the final stretch of this season, because we're at a point where Riley Pint, who after all of this time, you know, 2016 first round pick could finally be nearing his major league debut. Uh, Mario over on uh, our website, Mm -hmm. Purple Row, wrote a really good article about how we might be nearing that situation. And I'm, I'm over the moon for Riley Pint, especially with all the stuff that he's gone through with the injuries and the weird. Yep. Um, weird mechanical issues and all of that stuff where he is really really putting it together and if you look at how he's done over this season where in Hartford he he would have some stretches of kind of struggling a little bit that's absolutely true but then after that you would watch him have a couple of really really great outings all in a row and I'm trying to bring up his stats, and it is just bugging out on me here. There we go. Um, So, 2021 in Spokane, he had an ERA of 675, and then that was not for very – that was only for like 10 games, and then he had his retirement. Um, This year, after coming out of retirement in Hartford in 38 appearances, ERA of 485, which is the lowest he's ever pitched in a Rockies uniform – outside of like a three-game stretch with the Boise Hawks in 2018. So in 42 and two-thirds innings, he's got a lot of walks. Yes, 29. But he's also got 55 strikeouts. So he's got a K9 of 11.6. And he's not giving up a lot of home runs. Uh, HR per nine of just 0.8. His whip is pretty solid. Not great, but not like, oh, that it's so terrible. Because so, you know, he had a whip of... In 2018, he had a whip across multiple levels of, like, 12. And his, his whip has been 1.5 or higher a lot of his career. And right now it's sitting, uh, after Hartford, it was about 1.4. Great. And in Albuquerque, he's only played one game, so his whip is pretty bloated because of those two walks in the base hit and he gave up. But that strikeout is also indicative mm-hmm. of what he can do. And, you know, you've got to give him time to sort of settle in because this is going to be... challenge for him it's a big step upward where he's about three and a half years younger than the majority of his um his teammates in triple a uh he's only 24 right now but you need to see how this challenge is met by him for the rest of the season and i'm really pulling for him and it's the same for for michael toglia where this is going to be a challenge for him where we we sort of jumped him up. But we are watching him potentially meet this challenge because in his first game with the Isotopes, he had a hit and a home run. And and when Michael Togli is one of those guys where, is this our first baseman of the future kind of player, this is exactly what you want to see for him, especially when we're reaching um, for next year, who we're going to have to protect for the Rule 5 draft, guys who are going to be free agents, all that kind of stuff. The Rockies need to be challenging their guys. And they're doing this with a couple of their their higher prospects right now. They're doing it with Toglia. They're doing it with Riley Pint. They're doing it with Carl uh, Kaufman, who, has, who skipped, basically, low A and high A. And went bait to, straight to double A, had a season and a half in double A, and now has had a half season in triple A. And we're going to have to see how he does the rest of the season. Because if he cleans it up and is ready to rock and roll for next year, he could break camp. And if he's not, then he just needs another season in Albuquerque, and we can see him adjust like he did at the beginning of the season when he was in Hartford. So the Rockies are finally doing what I always want them to do, and that is challenge their prospects. And we've seen a bunch of guys get promoted recently. Hunter Goodman sent up to Spokane. Now Zach Veen in A, And he got his first double in A the other day, which is awesome. But this is going to be a big challenge for Zach Veen. It's the highest level of play he's ever had. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, only 21 years old. So we just sort of have to wait and see. But this is exactly what you want the Rockies to do in this situation. Is start challenging guys. Start promoting them. Start seeing what they've got at higher levels of play. And go from there. Build on that. See who you think is going to be a major part of this team's future versus guys who maybe they're not going to be. Yeah, I think that about says it all.
0: <laughs>
1: Anything that you want to add on,
0: Matt?
2: No, I think Evan actually, absolutely nailed that. Just everything you said, just deciding who is is going to be, you know, part of the 23, 24, 25, 26, 27 Rockies, man. Like, we are in that transitional period. Got to start sussing some of these guys out. I think you're spot on. Yeah.
1: What I'm really hoping is Oof. that we um, promote at some point here down the line uh, Adele Amador and uh, Yankeel Fernandez to high A Spokane mm. to close out the season because they are both just absolutely yep. tearing it up with Loe Fresno, and I'd love to see uh, how they adjust there. But if
0: you want to keep a tab on the prospect guys, be sure to check out Uh, Kenneth Weber's The Pebble Report on Mondays. And always be on the lookout for The Pebble Report podcast with Justin Wick and Kenneth. Always good stuff and whatnot. They cover it all. Uh, Moving right along here, one last thing I want to talk about. The Rockies had basically what felt like an away series at Coors Field against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, There's always the drama nowadays. Some baggage that comes when the Cardinals come because I guess their third baseman used to play for the Rockies. Uh hey, their DH in one of these games also played for the Rockies at one point and brought us Herman Marquez, so less baggage there. Less baggage there. But uh, kind of a weird series. The Rockies did win the series, 2-3. But there was just kind of this weird undertone with the – and we've had these conversations in, the, in our Purple Row Slack channel about just kind of this weird undertone with the Cardinals coming in because the first game of the series, they had a big, no, pregame, sell, no, well, not a big, but they had an honoring of Yadier Molina and holes, which that's fine. That's understandable. But it just had a weird undertone to it that we kind of talked about, especially with the weird coincidence of where the team is and the public perception mm-hmm. of the team among especially hardcore Rockies fans. Because any image you saw of Coors Field, there was a lot of red. A lot of red in that stadium during that three-game series, and so I think we just want to talk about that weird. I guess your takeaway or your impressions from that series. One, it gets the games. Rockies did have some good games in there. They did have a bad game in there. But just the your overall takeaway from that Cardinal series.
2: Um, I'm not gonna make as big a deal about it as I think some other people have recently. I think people, I think there was a contingent of people that saw the Rockies honoring Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols as like catering to fans, you know, that are not Rockies fans. And like, you know, the team just saying, oh, you know, and, and listen, I do think that like the Rockies are happy to have fans in the ballpark of any, you know, team designation. Like, you know, Skyler said earlier, you know, it doesn't matter what jersey you wear, your money's still green. And like, that's. Like, that's true. Like, the money is still going to be good either way. But I don't know. Albert Pujols is one of the greatest uh, players in the history of Major League Baseball. He's a top 10 player all time, in my estimation, of any position. Like, I have no personal issue with them celebrating him. Celebrating Molina is a little weird, because he's kind of a Cardinals great, um, which I might get hate for. I don't know if I would say he's an all-time MLB great. I think Molina is, like... You know, he's definitely good. I don't know if I'd say he's one of the greatest, he's, you know, he's one of the time, best whatever. catchers that's of the conversation. Yeah. Like he's a good catcher for sure. But like, whatever, but I don't know. I, I don't hate, you know, it's whatever. I, I don't really put that much stock into like the other fans filling the ballpark. Um, the Rockies won two or three. And, you know, that's, I think what, what matters more to me is the Rockies had their home ballpark filled with opposing team fans. And they're playing a Cardinals team that's very good, that had won seven games in a row, entering their, you know, first uh, game, and they beat them 2 of 3. And beat them pretty convincingly in 2 of 3. If not for the, I mean, obviously the the, the Cardinals uh, were blown out in Game 1. Then they beat the Rockies pretty handily in Game 2, reasonably. And then they would have lost Game 3 by a pretty significant margin, uh like we said earlier, Alex columnist struggled, and then Daniel Bard gave up a run in the ninth. Which, like, fine. So they ended up winning eight to six. But that game could have reasonably be, reasonably ended like eight to two or eight to three. You know what I mean? Like the Rockies came in there and they scored a bunch of runs on the Cardinals. So that's more what I take away from from anything else. Um, other than the other other point I'll make is that in the first game, the first run was scored because Eli Uries Montero. Grounded to Nolan Arenado, who committed an error on the play. Montero was able to score later on, and so the Rockies I won the trade. Got tri- him. And that's all. That's all <laughs> I got on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, for me, it's. So I'm, I'm very much down the middle here. I've I've said it before, that, I think yes, it was a cool and right thing to do to honor Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina. They are both Hall of Famers in my book. Um, who much more than, than Yachty, obviously, but they're both going to be in the hall of fame. Mm-hmm. But I think you can also look at it as, yes, that is a cool and right thing to do. And also it does feel a little weird because it's not something we've really done honoring an opposing teams player in like a decade. The last one I can think of is Mariano Rivera in 2012, 2013, one of those, um, and I also think it did, you know, playing it up of, oh, come come to the ballpark and watch the Rockies honor Yachty and, and Pujols, I think is also not only, you know, them doing the right thing of honoring these two Hall of Fame players, but taking advantage of how well Cardinals fans travel, especially in Colorado, and trying mm-hmm. to offset, as we've talked about before, the sort of Rockies fan apathy, as it were because it was just a flood of red in that in that ballpark all three of those games and i think it's well if rockies fans aren't going to come out then we can specifically cater to cardinals fans and get even more of them in the ballpark so i think i think it's a mix i don't think it's you know all all negative i do think it was the right thing to do to honor these two players very cool but at the same time, I think you can also view it as a money-making move by the Rockies organization. Of well, if the Rockies fans aren't going to be coming out, then we can get the Cardinals fans to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can and it can be both. Yeah,
0: and like I mentioned, it just was weird timing where the team is right now. Like they're going to honor the two of them regardless. They're on their farewell tours. That's going to happen. Like that. That's so what all the other baseball teams are doing. They're gonna honor these guys, give them a gift, maybe not just a vacation, but you know that was gonna happen regardless. It's just weird timing in this point in history mm-hmm, for us. Definitely, We're like if the Rockies are in the midst of a playoff push, this there's no problem with this. It's not gonna feel weird. But because of where how the teams operated the past couple of years, and this perception that they only care about filling the ballpark. They don't care what fans are coming. These Cardinals series are a prime example of that that people can point at and say, See, look at these. You no, know, you you made this big push of, hey, Pujols and Molina are coming come watch us honor them. You no, know, I'm sure Rockies fans will go to that and say, like, oh yeah, like those are good players. I should go see them one last time. It's just weird undertones. I'm sure there's no malicious intent behind things and big scheming behind the books, but it's just a weird perception undertones that I kept taking away from it. But I feel like the Rockies should see those instances, though, of, like, look how much red or blue or orange are in our stands when these visiting teams come. Like, we should be ashamed of that. And, like, what are we doing to foster a huge fan base here in Denver? Because those are the majority of people that are coming is the people in the Denver area that are close by. You know, mm-hmm. We're not getting a huge number of people from Utah or Idaho who are in the Rockies market to come down to games. right? And so it's just hard with the nature of Denver kind of being a transplant area now. You know, a lot of outside people coming in that are fans of other teams. It's just a weird, unfortunate situation, perception-wise. Uh, but, I you don't know, it's just a weird one. But the money is still green.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's what matters. Yeah.
0: Um, what would you have given them instead of the weird all expenses paid vacations?
2: Yeah, that was kind of weird, right? The like the same exact
0: thing they gave to Larry Walker.
1: It, that 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 yeah, part was It was yeah, kind of strange. That's definitely like a, we're getting money for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Totally should have given them horses. Totally. Or a uh fishing trip. As far as like Chuck.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be a good one um maybe watching the first like maybe I don't know I, I don't know I don't know off the top of my head like I, I can't think of anything but like I did think that vacation thing was kind of like okay like sure yeah. <laughs> I don't know I, that what was you so going weird Skylar <laughs> like, I'm, I'm
1: all for like there, there are so many cool gifts that you could give somebody to honor them like um yeah you could give them uh Who was the who was the team
2: that gave Mariana Rivera a chair made of broken bats? I felt like
0: Boston or something. Do you remember
2: that? Was
0: it Boston? That was a
2: ama- that was fire. Like I loved that one. That was like clever. It was like, you know, meaningful. Like that was super cool. It seemed kinda weird when like Yachty I, I, maybe Albert, like something related to like home runs, and, like, Yachty could do something, like, related to, like, you know, gold gloves or something. Give him home plate. Like, I, I don't know.
1: Do something yeah. versus the weird, do very something. clearly paid sponsorship thing.
0: Especially totally. the Rockies could have done totally. something super special for Pujols because he debuted against the Rockies. So you could have done yes. something related to that. Yes. Yachty, you could have got. I forgot about that. Yadi could have done something else. I yeah. guess it's easy two for one. We're just going to knock both of these out and give them the same, same mm-hmm. gift. <laughs> Classic Christmas mm-hmm. shopping with the Rockies, but no, they could.
2: It's a weird little bit of trivia. I always forget the Pools debuted against the so Rockies. So he could have.
0: They could have given him something special. Oh, two thousand one. You could have given him something from like Coors Field, in some aspect. Like, hey, here's a big patch of grass in left field that you can have, or mm-hmm. you know. Something may be related to his debut, but I guess whatever. Cost-effective. Hey, here's a Mm -hmm. vacation. I'm sure (laughs) they'll take it. (laughs) You know, all expenses paid vacation seems like a pretty drop-in-the-bucket type of expense for those guys. With the careers they've had. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? What can you do? But, yeah. Not much. So, yeah, I think it's a weird thing. Hopefully, though, the Rockies can... Eventually figure out that they should have more Rockies fans. The Rockies fans should outnumber the away team fans. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that.
1: And it's like, and the only time where they tend to is when it's a bad team coming to town. Like the the Diamondbacks are in town this weekend. I'm going on going to one of those games, and you don't expect when you go to Coors Field and the Diamondbacks are here that you're going to see a ton of Diamondbacks fans. But you go mm-hmm. and the Dodgers are here, or the Giants are here, or the Cardinals are here, and you are expecting to be outnumbered. You're expecting to feel like uh, a visiting fan in your own home ballpark.
0: Mm-hmm. When the cheers for the opposing team are much bigger than the home team.
1: When there and is a clear and deafening what... yachty chant going on in the stands.
0: Hmm. Mm. So I can't imagine what it'll be in a player in those instances. Of what that may feel like, of like, man, we don't have as many of our guys here. That, that's that sucks. Let's go out and bang out 16 runs on 22 hits, type thing. <laughs> I enjoyed that. That was the that was just the icing the cake that you mentioned, Mac. Is that they did handily win two of three games, made that second that's game right. exciting too, tried to at the end, yeah. But still, yep. That's at least the nice sweet bit of revenge, and we'll go this whole time. We won't mention Arenado, but. Eh. Journalists pick better questions to ask guys instead of their ex-boyfriend. Won the trade. Rockies won the trade.
1: We kind of won the trade. <laughs> it's free real estate. It's real estate. <laughs> <laughs> but I anyway,
0: think that's going to do it here for this week's edition of Affected by Altitude. Uh, thank you so much for joining us as always, and for your participation, especially on our trade deadline discussion. All that stuff always keep that going. We always enjoy hearing from the community. Maybe one of these days we'll try and do a mailbag again. That would be nice. We should try and do that again. We should. We should. Hopefully get questions. We should. (laughs) We We should. should. (laughs) Because we want to be here. We want to be here. We want to be here. That's right. Say it everybody. (laughs) That's a discussion for another time. (laughs) But as always, (laughs) thanks for joining us. Uh, Evan, where can the folks find you?
1: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at at Evan underscore Lang two seven. I would love to hear from you. Uh, You can also check out my Thursday rock piles on Purple Row and my Sunday game coverage. My rock pile this most recent week was about Adele Amador, the Rockies number four overall prospect and number 92 in the top 100, who I don't think gets talked about nearly enough. So read the article, educate yourselves and talk about Adele Amador. Nice. Is. You, Mac? So I
2: recently changed my Twitter. So I'm now at Mac Wilcox CBP. Uh, come talk to me about Rocky stuff. Talk to me about Coheed and Cambria, which is the greatest band of all time. Yes. Talk to me about all kinds of goofy stuff that uh, I like to talk about. And Skylar, where can our fine furry friends find you? Um,
0: you can find me on the Twitters at, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, doing fun stuff, and then the Sunday rock piles, as always. Yes, sir. uh, Fun fact, I just found out here on Baseball Reference, one of Albert Pujol's names is Fat Albert, with a PH.
2: I have literally never once heard anybody calling that. (laughs) Not even one time. ever. Not once.
0: Never once, but it's there on Baseball Reference, on the internet, so it has to be true. (laughs) (laughs) Abraham Lincoln said that once. But that's going to do it. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Mack him with it.
2: Farewell.